0: I'll make a brand new start of it, in old New York. Here's Darnold's throw to the goal line, and Griffin reaches back, and it's a touchdown. And Here's St. Kwan.
1: drives one to deep center field. Back goes Britson, takes a look, and it's out of here! Oh, Robinson with a steal. Using the only in the Down passes! Oh, a
0: Robinson
2: with a thunder dunk. Levert, back in.
0: Fade. Oh, he's a one man wrecking crew!
2: Pass out to Pinera,
0: and he's got some room. Goes in. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno.
1: All right, episode number 123 of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Nick and Scott here. We're going to wait for Joe for a little bit. Pal, how we doing
3: on this fine Tuesday afternoon? Fantastic. You know, it's a little little uh what's the word I'm looking for? Dreary well, outside. It's been dreary the past uh, two days. Yeah, but uh just like our football team, uh, and our baseball team at the moment, yeah, you're, but uh, you're not wrong
1: uh, yeah. there. You
3: no, know, I, I guess I could be worse. Yeah, all
1: right. That's I mean that's the spirit. I mean you gotta gotta look at the <laughs> po- gotta look at the positive somehow, pal. I mean
3: my uh, hell week of schoolwork is finally done. Good. So that's a fantastic.
1: Thing. love that. That's something that we want to be a part of about uh, yeah. schoolwork being done.
3: But pal, we got a lot to cover
1: today. Um, Here's the deal: we're gonna speak for a minute on the whole entire state. Of New York sports right now most certainly 2020 and probably the last maybe 10 15 years of New York sports we could call them the dark ages of New York sports and I have some like weird comparisons I just came up with in my head right now in 2020 as we speak you know the leagues and everything like that everyone is battling this COVID worldwide plague and back, you know, in the dark ages, they were battling the black playing and all that good stuff. And then, we have the 100 years battle between the New York Jets, along with the New York Giants, against being competent football teams. Because they are just losing that battle consistently, year in, year out. And then what we'll start with today is the fall of the evil Eastern Empire, known as the New York Yankees, led by... King Brian Cashman and Lord Aaron Baboon and their band of merry men. <laughs> but most important, but most importantly, <laughs> Baboon. but most That's importantly, but most importantly, us village people known as the average everyday fans have had enough and are finally going to start to revolt. You're looking at like all of New York teams, spe- specifically the Jets, maybe. Fans are on following the team on social media, not buying the merchandise, not doing anything like that, boycotting the teams that they root for. And I, and I cannot say at this point that I blame anybody for doing anything like that concerning any New York team right now. So let's start with our beloved New York Yankees. Cannot say they're too beloved right now. Game five eliminated by the Rays in the American League Division Series. We didn't do a recap for Game 4 and Game 5, but we're just going to put it all in one right now. Game 4 real quickly. Jordan Montgomery, better than expected. Four innings, three hits, gave up a run, and the Yankees took advantage of the Rays' bullpen day. Scored five runs and a victory. Great, forced Game 5. Game 5 comes the next day. Garrett Cole is on the mound, and he does more than enough. Off of three days rest. Which he's never done before. Gives the Yankees five and a third inning. One hit. One run. On the Austin Meadows game tying home run. And nine strikeouts. So I don't know. Like. We were briefly FaceTiming during that game Scott. We were feeling pretty good about Garrett Cole. And our chances in this game. Especially after winning game four the night before.
3: Feeling okay. Yeah. And. uh, You know. I think. I said this to you, you know, if we win the game if we win Game four, I'm very confident in the Yankees to be able to win game five just because, like you said, Garrett Cole was on the mound and, uh, you know, we paid him $324 million to come here and be this team's ace. Uh, and, you know, he did not disappoint in game five. Yeah, he got beat by that one long ball, but he had a no-hitter going up until that point. And, you know, Brett Garner did uh, bring one back into the ballpark, uh, and then eventually, you know, that was it for... Cole I, I agree with that pitching move One of the few that I agree with with Aaron Boone is Was that was the time to get Garrett Cole Out that was your one uh, You know get away with it moment And um, You know it's like the same exact thing That happened in you know winter go home Games in the past couple seasons the Yankees Bats just go completely cold yep. and, and, you that, know, and that's that, the whole uh, So let's get
1: Let's get to that now When they needed the big bats Nowhere to be found They manage only a single run on an Aaron Judge solo home run, leaving five guys left on base. You cannot do this in a Game 5 do or die like you said. Other than that, from Aaron Judge, no contribution from the lineup whatsoever. DJ, 0 for 4. Stanton, 0 for 3. Voight, 0 for 3. Urshela, 0 for 4. Glaber, 1 for 3. This cannot happen in the biggest moments of the year, You've been waiting 60 games. The Yankees were playing the regular season like it was just they had just had to do it in order to get to the playoffs, and then you get to game five of do or die in the ALDS and don't show up.
3: What is that? Yeah, I think, you know, we'll get to the whole organizational, you know, what we want to change and things like that in a little bit, but it's just like, I don't understand. I mean, you know, he won a batting title and everything, and people think he's, you know, Invincible from criticism, but DJ LeMay was horrible in this series against the Rays. Absolutely horrible. He, I think, went two for five in game one, then after that, what did he do? Um, Aaron Judge, I, you know my thoughts on him. Uh, I'm starting to get a little tired of him because, you know, I think he hit about 180 since he came off the IL after, you know, um, that second stint where... The first one, he played one game in between, then went back on. Mm-hmm. Um, Stan, you can't kill because he's the only reason why the Yankees even made it to five games. Absolutely. Um, Luke Voigt, you know, you know, I love him, but you know, he was horrible in this series. And you know, unlike most people in this Yankees uh, locker room, because I feel like they're too soft because of our soft manager. But Luke Voigt actually took a uh, took uh, a lot of blame for this. And let me see if I could pull up his. Quotes after the game, but he's the only one that like, you know, tells it how it is. He Mm -hmm. even said it, you know, if you remember during the season in Toronto, he's like, no one's scared to play the Yankees anymore. Like it's, this is embarrassing. And, uh, he was that one that said that. And then, um, Luke Voigt said, I feel like I let my team down. I had a horrible five games against those guys. I hate this feeling. It sucks. It's the third year in a row going through it. So, you know, he took, you know, complete, um, you know, credit for his, uh, you know struggles, and Aaron Judge did say the same thing about, um, you know, as the leader of this team, he that was on all on him that the team didn't come through in Game Five and stuff like that. Like, great. The biggest problem I have here is that Aaron Boone did not call this season a failure. <laughs> nope. Any, t- any, any season now, I, I, we've said this. I think you know, last in one of the instant reaction podcasts we did too. Us Yankee fans, our generation, we haven't witnessed anything. Nope. Like, we were 12 years old, if that, in the 2009 World Series. Like, yeah, you're 12 years old, you can remember things from, like, that, you know, part of your part of your life. We didn't get we to appreciate you know, that, though. Yeah, we couldn't appreciate it like it was. This isn't the bad, you know, the big bad Yankees of, you know, past decades where it, it was literally like World Series or bust. And if George Steinbrenner didn't, you know, you saw with Billy Martin, he fired him in the dugout. Like... Could you imagine if George was still alive? Aaron Boone trots Mike Ford up to pinch hit for <laughs> Kyle Higashioka. Yeah. Steinbrenner would have came out of the owner's box or whatever suite he was sitting in and would have fired Boone on the spot. Yeah. He would have kicked his leg off that dumb top step that he stands on and would have said, "Pack your bags, you're dumb."
1: Yeah. And it's really and funny that's... that it's really funny that you mentioned George Steinbrenner because him along with now the late Whitey Ford, rest in peace Whitey Ford, probably the best pitcher in Yankees history, Yogi Berra, Babe Ruth, Gary DiMaggio, Mantle—they'd all be rolling in their graves right now. They are rolling in their graves. This is not the Yankee way. What we're seeing right now, and and this might—I don't know if this is a hot take or not—but I don't care what anybody says. This series was lost. In game two with that dumb pitching move yep. with Garcia and Happ. They got away from what they do and they tried to beat the Rays at what the Rays do best, not what the Yankees do best, because what they've been doing for a 100 years and 27 championships, apparently that's not the way to do it. But now they got to change their ways and start beating teams at what those teams do best. It's crap. It's crap. You're the New York freaking Yankees. Stick to what you know best.
3: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was quite heated on the night that we lost, and I even tweeted this oh, to George is probably rolling in his grave right now at the fact that Hal has allowed this franchise to accept losing. This is getting to a point where, you know, Hal Steinbrenner has literally, you know, um, put profits ahead of winning at this point. And, yeah, the, they finally addressed the, the pitching situation with Garrett Cole. But how many seasons now has it been that he's just neglect or even Brian Cashman too, it's not really him signing the players, it's Brian Cashman. But how long have they neglected signing a, you know, you know pitching depth? They're going to have to do it this season.
1: They're going to have
3: I, to. I don't think it's going to because I've heard other, like people say, John Boy was on a Evan Roberts show on Saturday, and he said that he's heard that the Yankees aren't going to really be able to spend money this year because unlike other owners, the Steinbrenners only have the Yankees, and that's their only business. So they've lost, you know, more money than most organizations this year. And, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously it's hard times for everyone and everything, but this is just going from the past. I don't want to hear more about the freaking luxury tax no. where the New York Yankees, they're the most profitable fra- sports The franchise. richest team in sports. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we're talking about the luxury tax, like go out, spend the money. I mean, I read something today. I think it was from Lindsay Atler and the athletic. That said, Trevor Bauer is probably going to just continue to keep looking for one-year deals so he can maximize his average annual salary. So, why aren't we going to go offer Trevor Bauer a one-year deal and hopefully you can convince him to stay, like, longer? I'm tired of, you know, this whole get to the ALDS and our freaking soft manager saying, "This this season isn't a failure, but you got freaking destroyed by the Rays this season as AL favorites, and you don't even make it to the championship series. Like, you barely even made the playoffs at that at that time. Like, yeah, let's, and, let's uh, think about it. Okay. They were lucky to make the playoffs.
1: They were, and it kind of seemed in the middle of the season they were just like, oh, okay, the Rays got the division, we're not, you know, we got all these guys hurt, so, you know. Yeah.
3: And, this, and that has this, a lot to do with it, but still. This, you know, is a whole organizational philosophy here. You heard Aaron Judge say it in the, uh, in the lead up to the AL wildcard series against the Indians. If the regular season is spring training and the playoffs is when the regular season really begins, maybe we should start taking the regular season a little more serious because that'll get you prepped for the more competitive games in the playoffs. Exactly. How about that? Exactly. How about that?
1: How about that? I don't disagree. I really don't disagree. So now, unfortunately, we're not looking at... We're unfortunately looking at the Rays and the Astros, probably the two more hated teams that Yankee fans, you know, love to hate. I'm not going to... You know, you and I are probably not going to watch a single pitch of this series. Not even maybe... I mean, I'm going to watch the World Series, but not this ALCS. I I can't. I can't bring myself to watch that. But instead of looking and previewing the ALCS for the Yankees, we're now looking at the offseason. So here's the big question. Now what? This is the third year in a row of not living up to expectations. 2017 against Houston, 2018 against Boston, and then last year against Houston, and now this year against the Rays. And you brought it up before, and I'll let you go off about it. This team lives and dies by not only just the long ball, but the analytics drives me insane.
3: Insane. It's it's just unbelievable. Like, I, I can't, just I, I I honestly can't anymore with this team because it's just unbelievable. Like, why are you bringing up Mike Ford to pinch hit for Kyle Higashioka when you have freaking Gary Sanchez you're going to have to trot out there to then catch Chapman for what have hopefully would have been two innings? If you're going to pinch hit someone, pinch hit freaking Clint Frazier. Mike Ford had never hit since August, Mm -hmm. freaking August, and he trots him up in the biggest at bat of the entire season. Oh yeah, we'll go with Mike Ford. That'll be a great idea. (laughs) You're a freaking moron, Aaron Boone. Freaking, we can't we can't just
1: blame it all on Boone. At this point, we can't. You got to. He's the one
3: that trotted Mike Ford up there. Right, I don't think but, Brian Cashman called down there and said "Oh, well, I think we should bat Mike Ford right now
1: The analytics must have said that Mike Ford oh. Is probably a good idea
3: Just free- I hate analytics, I, I do really too. do Just I freaking do play the game Play to win the game you got it. You Don't got- try and outraise the Rays Just play the game To your strengths mm-hmm. Don't freaking trot Mike Ford up there When he sucks mm-hmm. He it's that simple. sucks It's that simple It really is has not hit since August, see, let's trot him up in October in the biggest that bat of the season, yeah, good idea, Mr Aaron
1: good, great idea, idiot
3: <laughs> idiot, but like but we got the call on
1: this last week from Colin, who you'll hear from today uh for the New York Giants, you know lives and dies by a long ball, and i of course, I went on the record saying if they win the you know if they're scoring runs and winning games, I don't think it really matters now it matters now this matters. <laughs> I wasn't looking too close at it, got to be honest with you. Didn't think it was a huge, big ordeal. Now, it's a big deal. Because the fact that the Yankees can't buy a hit without hitting a home run is, re- is bonkers. It's bonkers. The fact that they can't put multiple guys on base and, and and drive in runs and play small ball like every other freaking team. I wouldn't say every team in Major League Baseball, but what what happened to, you know, fundamentals and making the game simpler? Like, why does it gotta be so complicated with all these numbers and hitting home run? And like, oh, hitting home runs are great. We love home runs, but when that's the strength of your team and that's what they do, okay, fine. But if that's the only thing they can do, that's a problem. They need more. If DJ LeMahieu could bat one through nine in this lineup, be fantastic because the guy gets on base and doesn't always put the ball in the seats.
3: Like, what are they got to do? Well, he we couldn't even do that in the race no.
1: Series. No. <sighs>
3: It's fro. It's just incredibly frustrating. Like, uh, I mean, we'll get. To, well, I guess we'll get to this now. Aaron Boone now has a club option for the twenty twenty one season. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. No. He's not going anywhere. Unfortunately, but I would freaking uh send him packing. Send him back to the broadcast booth and move on to someone else because does uh, just, just he, you know. There's questions. Does he fail to motivate his players? Does he? He never shows any emotion. Never. I think never, Boone, I ever. Th- Boone is just the guy that stands there. He's just the he's just I the guy it. that they put out there. And then we have our all worldly game changing pitching coach Matt Blake. <laughs> <laughs> he's a
1: joke too. He's
3: yeah, a he joke, he sucks too. too. But like I, I honestly think they have to try and find a different hitting coach or something. Like Marcus Tims has been here for the last couple seasons. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he came in with Boone and has, you know, been here the entire time. But something's got to change because you can't keep, you know, doing this. And maybe it's a change of personnel. Like, you know, I don't know. People were talking about, you know, you trade Luke Voigt. Maybe you move Glaber back over to second. You can... Uh, they better freaking re-sign DJ LeMahieu. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, that should be done already. You can move him to first base, move Glaber to second, and then, like, trade for a Lindor. And put him at shortstop yeah but you know that would help with the whole home runner bus thing that would definitely take one more person out of the lineup that does that even though I love Luke Voigt and I don't want to see him gone but yeah I I guess I'll just go to my off-season wish list at this point sure. you know you gotta um gotta address this bullpen you can't not anymore and yeah. you know just yeah let's talk let's talk about that now
1: the fact that Adam Ottavino now has zero trust from this organization, he's just got to go. He's got to go now, and then mm-hmm. Chad now Chad Green is all of a sudden come into question. And then we got to ask the question. I'm going to address this now. I understand he's got two more years left on his contract, but where's the patience level with Aroldis Chapman?
3: Yeah, I mean, he was like you know on fire when it, you know right before he gave up that home run, but it's the second straight season that he's given up a you know, a season-ending blast. Um, Can't have it. He he, was, have it. he had, like, 15 scoreless innings before before that. And, I mean, it was a tough season for him, considering he had Corona in the first half, didn't really get going until, you know, the last half of the season. I think he, you know, he needs a little bit of a change of philosophy, too, because he, uh, you know, has to realize that his fastball isn't overpowering, you know, that much anymore. He's not throwing 103 consistently. Maybe no. he's hitting 101, but... You know, a lot of guys throw one-on-one now. Like, he has to realize that he needs to rely on that slider a little more, which can be nasty at some points. You know, that was the problem with uh, that. Um, whoever freaking hit the home run, Austin Meadow, was it? all? No, it was freaking no, it was, Brousseau. Uh, Brousseau. Yeah, uh, he has to realize on the Brousseau home run that, you know, at that point, I think you should you have just walked him because he was all over Chapman in that at-bat. Just put him on base, move on to the next guy, maybe, you know, and there was obviously some history there, if you want to say that he threw at him, like you know, on purpose or not, uh, in the season, whatever. But I would have just walked him, moved on to the next guy, because clearly he wasn't getting out. And then obviously, you know, you paid the price for it. But uh, this bullpen needs addressing. I mean, the Tommy Kinley injury um, was obviously uh, a huge blow to this bullpen. But if you look at the free I mean Zach Britton needs they need to pick up a club option for twenty twenty two where he can opt out now and pretty much become a free agent. So they need to pick up that option, which I hundred percent would because you know he was very good. Um he was very good uh this season, you know, into the playoffs too. He threw some very good innings for them in game four and or uh yeah, game four and game five. You you need to find some sort of bridge between, you know, the middle to the end of the of the bullpen there between Britton and chapman hopefully you can find out of vino you know let him try and figure it out chad green hopefully has a better season hopefully tommy keenley can come back you know at some point next season but i don't want to hear anymore that oh we're getting these guys back from injury it's pretty much an acquisition in itself domingo herman and luis severino i mean severino's had one good season like
1: you can't count on them because they've missed so much time can't count on them to be yeah, the, that it, guy. They're
3: not, you know, they're not game-changing uh, acquisitions. You know, acquisitions in quotes. But you know, then you look at: Do you bring Paxton back? He was horrific this season. Yeah, I mean, he was starting to throw um, Paxton, once the Yankees season Paxton, ended.
1: Paxton, Hap, and Tanaka, for that matter.
3: Yeah, I like, mean, I, I don't know. I'm very. Torn on Tanaka. If not bringing back Tanaka means getting a Trevor Bauer in here, or 100% not re-sign Tanaka, but if you're not going after a Trevor Bauer type guy, which I don't know who else is really out there on the starting pitching market that's of that you know uh, that elite level. Uh, I got a couple. But, I got a couple names for you. But um, you know you have to bring back Tanaka if you're not going to bring back an elite. Uh, if you're not going to bring in an elite starting pitcher here.
1: Yeah, but but we've talked about it before do we really think the Yankees are going to spend the money to get a Trevor Bauer, a Jake Arrieta, a Zimmerman, an Odorizzi? Like, are they going to really spend that money? Or are they just going to rather rely on the guys like Montgomery, Davey Garcia, Herman, and Sevy that you mentioned, and even Clark Schmidt for next year? Like, I understand they might feel comfortable with that, but, like, are the fans going to feel comfortable with that? Are you going to just play games with Davey Garcia like you did in the playoffs? Like, what's going to go on there? And then, you look at, and then you look at free agent relief pitchers. The, the names that stand out to me are just names. Like, uh, I gotta be honest with you, don't know how they how good or bad they did this season. Mark Melanson, Alex Colome from the White Sox, Blake Trinan from the Dodgers, Ken Giles, Kirby Yates. Like, what's out there that you love if you want to bring in and go the free agent route? Like, those are big-name starting pitchers I just named before, but are the Yankees going to shell out the cash for a Trevor Bauer when they already got money invested in Cole Money invested in Stanton for the next 700 freaking years. Like, again, with the luxury tax thing, we think it's bullshit, but, you know, that really matters to them.
3: And it's going to affect what they do this offseason,
1: if anything at all.
3: Yeah, I mean, what I would do this offseason is I would not bring Aaron Boone back. I would uh, re-sign LeMayhew. I mean, it, it, I, would re-sign, I would sign Bauer and Arby. That would be my number one priority other than mayhew. Then you need to bring in some bullpen help. I know uh, Trevor May from the Twins is a free agent. He's a very good middle-of-the-bullpen guy. Um, there's another, like, really high-end reliever that's a free agent. I just can't really... I was trying to look on Track to see uh, if I could find his name, but I um, couldn't. Um, but, you know, guys like that, you need to you need to look at to bring in because clearly we need to focus on pitching here, even though the Yankees bats let him down in the end. Uh, I mean, you have to, you have to address the pitching. Yeah, I think that's priority number one after re-signing DJ LeMayhew.
1: And then let's, yeah, let's get into those position players. Headlined by DJ. I think they're going to re-sign DJ LeMayhew, but if it comes down to money, who knows? I think DJ's gonna end up being a twenty million dollar a year guy. I don't think it's a guarantee I would, uh, of course, you have to. You know, that's priority number one. If you're a Yankee fan, you want DJ back. You want him back. But what's the price gonna be? I'm sorry, but like this is realistic to me. If the Mets are gonna spend money like they're supposed to, they're gonna throw a bag at DJ LeMahieu because they're gonna because re- they regretted not signing him and signing Jed Lowry instead. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm scared of DJ LeMahieu not, you know, getting a deal he won't refuse from Stevie Cohen and the Mets.
3: I mean, that's realistic, don't you think? I I mean, yeah, but then Hal Steinbrenner's really going to have to, you know, figure it out. Because if he's getting outbid by the Mets now, you know, yeah, granted they have the richest owner in the league and everything like that, but... that cannot happen, and imagine his father was alive. He'd be huh. fucking pouring in double the money now to make sure that he wasn't being outbid by the Mets.
1: Yeah, so the, the question is, I don't think the question is, do you resign DJ? I think the, the answer is absolutely to. yes, but how much? How much are you going to offer him per year? We say give him a blank check, and I absolutely stand by that. You have to, but unfortunately, that's not what the Yankees are going to do, and then we have other questions on top of that. The big question is, your biggest concern, Aaron Judge. Can't stay healthy for a whole year. Do you keep him, or do you entertain trading him? I know your answer already. I still don't know what to do yet, but I think that's a general question that Cashman and the Yankees have to think about. A couple years, they're going to have to give him a contract. A couple years, they're going to have to give Torres a contract. And if Glaber can't freaking play defense, you got to think about another route here. But if Judge can't stay healthy, which he's proven that he can't, what do you do if you're Brian Cashman in the Yankees? What do you do?
3: It's a great question. I mean, you look at uh, you look at Klaber's, you know situation the most and how he kind of regressed, or not kinda, he did regress uh, in his development at shortstop this year, even though that's his you know uh, prime primary position that he came up to the minor leagues with. It, you almost have to figure, you know, you're going to have to wheel and deal a little bit with this middle infield if you want to see the best of Gleyber Torres. I, I don't think this is going to work at shortstop cause, because you look, you saw his offense decline, too, when he moved to shortstop this season. And granted, people said he was out of shape when he came in uh, at the summer camp. And, which you know, is unacceptable that probably played for a, one. Yeah. Which
1: is unacceptable for one.
3: Yeah, you know, that played a factor. and. I mean, maybe you give him one more year, and then you look at, you know, the shortstop class of 2022 was unbelievable. You have guys like Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor, uh, Correa. Um, I think there's another like, – like two other guys that are still in there. Um, Trevor Story. Yeah, Trevor Story, and then there was one more. I'm going to try Seager, and pull up the Athletic. Seager. Yeah, yeah, those were the five guys, Trevor Story and Seager, and then the other three guys I just mentioned. Baez, those are the Correa, five shortstops. Yeah, those are the five shortstops that are on the market for twenty twenty two. I don't. I, maybe you would see what Luke Voigt is like next year, and you know, see if he can keep up a very high production. But I think if you're if you're the New York Yankees, and I hate saying this, but you might have to trade Luke Voigt at his highest point to then move DJ Lemahieu to first base, Claver Torres to second, and then you know, people are talking about Lindor could be traded this offseason. season. Do you, you know, maybe throw Luke Voigt in that deal with an Andujar and, you know, probably another piece or two. But, you know, Brian Cashman better work some wonders because Yankees fans are starting to get very impatient here. And hopefully Hal Steinbrenner realizes that, too, because if he starts getting outbid by the Mets. And then, you don't, we haven't even talked about freaking Gary yet. No, what do you do there? Do you, next. Do you uh, well, I guess let's get into it now. How do you go into next season with Kyle Higashioka as your so-called starting catcher? Yeah, he's great defensively, and, you know, he's shown some spurts offensively that he has some power, but how do you go into next season with Kyle Higashioka as your starting catcher?
1: I, You know, me personally, I know the majority of Yankee fans are not going to love that, but I don't think it's a horrible idea. I understand, you know, the bat's a huge question, but defensively, he's just so much better than Gary.
3: Oh, yeah, like 100%. like Like
1: it's... It's not even close. And I think now my uh, JT Real Muto uh, dream is gonna get crushed because he's gonna want a two hundred million dollar contract. The Yankees are just not gonna do that. That's just not this is not gonna happen. But like I had like do they make you know run at big names, not just at catcher like like JT, but a George Springer's out there. If you're unsure with your future if with Aaron Judge, I mean, who knows? Who knows if you know Springer would even run to come here because of the animosity between him and the Yankees? But again, money talks. But also, are the Yankees going to shell out money to bring in a guy like Springer? Uh, I think it's more realistic. I could see Springer in a Yankee uniform than JT. He's going to want $200 million. I think the, the Mets might be all over that to begin with. But you're right. You know, the big One of the bigger questions now is who's the future at catcher? Higashioka, I, I think, I, me personally, I'm done with Gary. I'm done. If the, if the Yankees were to ship him away, great, fine, whatever. But now, you know, rolling Higashioka out there? I mean, listen, if this guy if this guy does more than hit home runs, which, I mean, he doesn't do a lot of, but if he gets on base and hits the ball in the infield and, you know, doesn't have to put it in the seats, then I'm okay with keeping him. I think, you know, he's a little bit of a project, but his defense is miles ahead of better than Gary's, and it's not even a debate.
3: Yeah, I, there is no debate there. I mean, I think they've tried to tweak Gary Sanchez's stance, and... Everything. Clearly, it hasn't helped. Nothing's and working.
1: Nothing's working. The Yankees could do whatever they want. They've been doing different things with Gary. year are in, you're out. Nothing works.
3: And, you know, you can look at the defense that he played in Game 5, too. There was a pitch that to Brasseau that, you know, if Gary caught it correctly and received it correctly and could frame the pitch, it would have been probably called strike three. But then, you know, of course, you know, if Kyle Agashioka's behind the plate there, he probably gets that frame and, you know, a better chance for it to be called a strike. But, you know, then we all know what happened there a couple pitches later. But mm-hmm.
0: again, uh, I'm like, done.
3: Like,
1: like the free agent, sorry. The free agent class, you know, as far as catchers go, is headlined by JT, Jason Castro, um, Alex Avila, Tyler Flowers from Atlanta. Uh, again, nothing nothing you no, love man. there.
3: You're only going to, if you're going to bring in a catcher, you're only going to bring in JT Real Muta. That's the only thing that makes sense. Um, I'm just so done with Gary. I think, you know, it's JT Real Muto where you just continue on with Gary. Hopefully he figures it out somehow. But I don't see how he figures it out. I I think the Yankees, you could see it, are, you know, kind of, you know, their confidence in him is also wafering because if they had confidence in him, they would have played him the last couple games of the – he only, what, started two games of seven in the playoffs. Yeah. Which you know, for a so-called starting catcher, that's you know, got so much you know ability and so much potential. That's not very good. That kind of shows you what the franchise thinks of you. So,
1: but it's just it's just so to wrap this all up in in with a little bow. It's just so strange that in a season where it was World Series or bust, all of a sudden, now that they've lost to the Rays in Game Five the ALDS. There are a lot more questions than answers when it comes to 2021.
3: Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, yeah, the Yankees will probably still go out and win hopefully 90 games and, you know, somehow win the AL East. I don't think – the way the Rays are going, who knows. The Rays are probably the best
1: team in the division going into next year. They have to be.
3: Yeah.
1: Especially if they retain all the guys that they have.
3: And the fact that, you know, the Yankees have this huge payroll – the Rays like have like a five dollar payroll compared to the <laughs> Yankees, and they yeah. are freaking in the ALCS and see them. So I don't under I don't know what will wake up you know Steinbrenner and Cashman and uh, you know what else will make it happen, but some something they're gonna have to make some moves, whether it's via the trade route or you know. Getting because they're getting if they don't bring anyone back, Brett Gardner also has a ten million dollar club option for next year, so we'll see if they exercise that. I wouldn't be totally against bringing him back. You could negotiate maybe a lower salary. Uh, that'd be even better. But um, if they're getting about one hundred and ten million dollars off the books next year if they don't bring you know anyone back who's a free agent. I mean, you're getting Tanaka's like twenty five million dollar contract off the books. I don't think he's going to get twenty five million. I mean, if the if the Mets are freaking, you know, let let him let Stevie Cohen, you know, spend but the problem is there's no salary cap in baseball, so he right. could go and offer Tanaka 25 million, offer JT 20 million, offer Bauer 30 million, and all you would have to pay is the luxury tax, which is you know a terrifying thing for the Yankees. But Stevie Cohen, uh, you know, he's he there was a story that came out yesterday that said he's you know very prepared to spend, and you know he's already he just you know spent two point whatever billion dollars to buy the Mets what's another you know however many million dollars to improve this team he's prepared to lose 400 million dollars in the first two years of him owning the team so you know he's not holding back this year he's going to be one of the only teams I think that's going to be a big spender if you think it, which is crazy to think about the Mets being a big spender over everyone else but that's, yeah, what, happens, that's
1: what happens when a billion dollar hedge fund guy comes in and takes over your team
3: more like a f- – how much money is he at? $14 billion? Uh, Something like that. Like, that's, that's a lot of zeros.
1: And you know what? Uh, the Met, you know, Mets fans have always been like, oh, the Yankees buy their way to championships. So you wait. Yeah. You're on your way. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Mets will win a championship the next 10 years. But, I mean, the Mets also, are on their way to
3: actually being a big
1: market team and spending like one.
3: Yeah. Well, one thing I want to say about the Mets is Mets fans love to make fun of the Yankees that they're, you know – Um, Yes, of course, that the Yankees are upset about making the playoffs every year or they're upset about getting knocked out of the playoffs early every year. And, you know, if that's what you, you know, hold your standards to is just making the playoffs every year, then who's the real losing franchise here? And that's all I'm going to say on that. Like, uh, Well,
1: I have something to add to that and then we'll take a break. Uh, I was over at Joe's house the other day. And Joe was playing the video of KFC Barstool, you know, singing, start spreading the news. I don't know if you saw that, Scott, and just trolling. No, the Yan- I,
3: don't, and, I don't pay attention right. to him when he's talking crap about the Yankees. And just
1: trolling trolling the Yankees and Joe's playing it and gave me the stink eye. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't really affect me because he's a Mets fan and he's just looking for something, you know, to to say about the Yankees. Obviously, you know, the Yankees hold real estate in his mind that, you know, he has to, you know, bag on the Yankees because, you know, the Mets are not very good. The well, Mets that.
3: fans think that they hold real estate in the Yankees fans' heads because, you know, we were, the Yankees fans were talking about the Mets uh, only being have standards of just making the playoffs, considering they helped raise the banner for making the wild card game. Congrats freaking Lations. <laughs> but uh, whatever. It's Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, figure it the frig out. Spend some money. I don't care about the freaking luxury tax. If he spends zero money this offseason, other than DJ LeMay, you, it's they can use the COVID excuse all they want. They're the most, you know, financially stable franchise sports organization in the entire world. You're going to have fans back in the seats next year of, you know, at least probably half the ballpark, considering some organization claimed that yeah, Yankee Stadium was the first stadium in the entire world to be able to welcome fans back. So they were the safest venue to welcome fans back. So, uh, you know, let's 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 figure this out here and, you know, let's make something happen.
1: Well, unfortunately, baseball season has come to an end very early in New York. And we'll see what happens in the offseason should be exciting for both of the Mets and the Yankees. So we'll keep it covered on that. We will take a break. And when we come back, yes, we will get to the dumpster fire. That is New York football. And we will talk about that. When we come back, you're listening to the Tri State Sports Beat. Do not
3: go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you have thoughts you want to share? Have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you. So give us a call on the new 24 7 Tri State Sports Beat fan line call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. And the circus has I can't even say arrived. It's it's still here. It, it pitched its tent at one Jets drive and has not left for <laughs> two years. <laughs> two years? They, That's generous of you. Well, it'd be Gase era, at the Adam Gay, Sarah. Uh, at least right. Todd Bowles was, you know, the team actually competed for Todd Bowles in his last season. They were actually competitive. Fair enough. This team isn't even competitive. No. Again, after, I don't even know what the final score was because I really don't care. They got blown 30 out. 30 to again. 10. Yeah, whatever it was. Who the frig cares? <laughs> uh, they got blown out, like you said, 30 to 10. Um, never had a heartbeat. Uh, you know, two to third and one, fourth and one, Adam Gase decides to run a tight end as a fullback up the middle, then run Le'Veon Bell up the middle, and we get stuffed. Um What what else can I say about this moron? Uh, uh he's gonna run Le'Veon Bell out of town before he's gone. Um michael P. ryan's liking tweets that freaking Adam Gase didn't play him. Uh, Joe, it's very clear that the quarterback is not the problem in this dumpster fire because Joe Flacco was exactly the same as Sam Darnold was, if not worse. Um, defense is like Swiss cheese, uh, except Avery Williamson, our boy. He was good. He had the the pick. You knew exactly when he didn't return that for a touchdown. The Jets were not scoring. But, uh, what else do we want here? Um, Dowell Loggins, they, they threw a challenge flag, didn't they? Dowell Loggins got involved. Oh, yeah. Um... Rich Cimini in the ESPN NFL Power Rankings penned it perfectly today. The weaknesses point he put, football. (laughs) Not just one position, football. They don't even play the same sport as their opponents. It it is horrific. It is embarrassing. Um, Dookie? I, I don't even know what to say anymore. It is... Honestly, I'm surprised I'm even wasting my breath on this trash franchise. Well, I mean, that, that's uh, that's what we uh, that's
1: what we do here. We're you know we come here to scream and yell. It's kind of almost therapy, almost. But let's be honest, pal. Are we shocked? Are any Jet fans shocked by any of this or what you just said? No. But no. on Sunday, did we watch every single minute of it? I did. Unfortunately, I don't know, I don't know about you. Yes, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But here's something you, you forgot, and, and we'll recap a bunch of stuff that you just said in detail. But. Let's not mention the Jets made history on Sunday. (laughs) This brilliant team, led by this brilliant offensive genius of a head coach, punted twice on fourth and short within the first five minutes of this football game. Absolutely laughable. Now, I understand that the Jets were on their side of the field, but you are 0-4. What do you got to lose at this point? Just go for it. What do you have to lose? And then, they actually drive 79 yards down the field. And then the third and short to Trayvon Wesco, who, I mean, probably is like his fourth carry in how many career games he's actually played in. And then the failed fourth down run to Le'Veon Bell, right up the middle, because what else would it be? Is is just laughable. There's a continuing thing going on here, because it's laughable. You have, like, if you, if you don't laugh, you cry. And there's no sense in even shedding a tear about how bad the New York Jets are. And as you mentioned as well, Avery our boy actually caused a turnover with the interception very good, but shockingly, they can't get a touchdown starting on the Cardinals 10-yard line. And I and you know, and you were right, you you said it. You know, once Avery's not getting in the end zone, he's not scoring a touchdown. Uh we were on FaceTime for that and I said here comes a field goal. We're going to be down 7-3. to three. And yep. lo and behold, I was right. And I hate being right about this stuff. But you know what? I should have bet my student my student loans on that 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 was going to happen. Again, laughable. Absolutely stupid. And here's the worst part, too. The Cardinals didn't even play their best game in the first three quarters. They made the Jets' defense look somewhat competent until the second half. You and I are both saying, oh, Jets' defense not playing too bad. They're kind of keeping them in this game. The offense just can't do anything. But – at the end of the day, the Jets de- the Jets defense allowed 500 yards of total offense.
3: Murray didn't have to run that much. He had a picnic in the pocket. He threw it for career high passing yards. Of course he it's did. Second time, second time in 5 games that the Jets have allowed career high passing days. And that's not even counting Brett freaking Rippin or whatever the frig his name no. is. Jeff Rippin, Brett Rippin, whatever. Do- doesn't even count doesn't even count that.
1: But again, well, I'm not we're not surprised there, are we? No pass rush, we're not surprised there the The position hasn't I mean, been freaking addressed in fifteen freaking years, if that.
3: Well, I mean, you know, Joe Douglas just drafted a bunch of injured guys, so Apparently hopefully so. Jabari, hopefully Jabari Zuniga comes in and can actually, you know, get to the pass rusher. I mean, it looks like John Franklin Myers actually isn't a bad player. No, um, Quinnen, I don't know what to make of Quinnen. I don't either. I really don't, because you know he has the fantastic day where he has, uh, you know, two sacks. Uh, I forget which day that was. Was that the Forty Nine er game? Yeah, he had uh, two where, sacks. where he has yep. he had two sacks, and then you know he hasn't really made a lot of you know differences in the stat sheet um, in in his other games. But kind of like the other I, Williams we used to have in town. I, yeah, but I, I feel like Quinnen's actually showing that he's you know a competent NFL football player because he does stuff in the run game that you know probably doesn't show up in the in the. Uh, but is that not the same thing you. that we said about Leonard Williams, though? That's it's true. Yeah, it's very true. And I I thought Quinnen, you know, would have played a little – he's playing more on the outside because they have Steve McClendon. They don't really play him in his natural position, I feel like, half the time. So – but that's classic Jets, you know. Don't play – don't give guys the opportunity to succeed. We'll just, you know, do what we want. Hopefully they succeed in the system we play. But – yeah.
1: And then, of course, that's a great transition to another week of horrible Adam Gase play calling. Um, you know, we mentioned it before about the – hold on. My uh, computer just froze here. I apologize. Um, you know, we mentioned it already, not going for a fourth and short twice, you know, even in your own situation. That's fine. But, again, you have nothing to lose. Your own four, whatever. Same old runs up the middle, long routes, guys can't get open, can't create separation for a 100-year-old Joe Flacco. I mean – Did we really expect Joe Flacco to look good uh, last week? No. Um, And then, (laughs) you know, we kill Adam Gase all the time for not being creative enough, but then when he does get creative, it just, it's awful. Dumb trick play after trick play. They actually, the first trick play actually worked. I think it was like a reverse or a jet sweep to Braxton Barrios or Hogan. I don't know. But then the next play after that, another stupid play where Jeff Smith is looking to throw a pass and get sacked for 15, for 16 yards. I understand he's a former college quarterback, but come on already! Two two of those freaking plays in a row. They, it's uh, my uh, my blind grandma could see that coming. Like come on, come <laughs> on, come on! And then second and 26. You mentioned this to me, and this is why I'm
3: bringing it up. Second and 26. What comes up?
1: A draw to Frank Gore.
3: Classic. Yeah, that's where Adam that's Gase. Where, uh, that's where Adam Gase gave up on the game. That's the can That's the classic. I give up. Play right there.
1: Classic Adam Gase. So now you know. Uh, my next topic is, and I'll, I'll just let you go off because I know this really uh, burns your buttons. Uh, I'll mention the name. You could just go off. Chris Herndon. Go ahead.
3: Oh, he freaking sucks. <laughs> He is a horrible football player. I mean, it just shows you what kind of you know person he is at this point too. The Jets actually score a touchdown because Jamison Crowder, their only competent football player on the entire freaking field, scores a touchdown. But two plays before that, he drops a wide open pass that even I could have caught and fallen down so I didn't get killed by a freaking linebacker. Yeah, he's just sitting on the on the bench. Pouting, just straight ahead, not even celebrating with his teammates. That speaks volumes about the kind of person and teammate and player Chris Herndon is. Uh, he, he is dead to me. Of course, another guy that Adam Gase freaking rants and raves about, that sucks. Hmm, Kalen Balaj comes to mind. Frank Gore, about, I mean, he's still, you know, decent. Should not be running the ball 20 times he a He shouldn't game.
1: even be on this team, let's be honest. Shouldn't even be on like
3: this they team. They completely just refuse to play LaMichael michael p ryan but adam gates doesn't want to overwhelm him but they don't play him so we can't <laughs> learn how to play oh the pain yep
1: so we're so an
3: and 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 we're talking about the running backs we're gonna trade Le'Veon bell instead of firing adam Gase. <laughs> yep We're not going to fire Adam Gaze, but we're going to trade our most talented player on either side of the ball because we don't want to hurt Sam Darnold's progression. Are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) Christopher Johnson, Joe Douglas, are you idiots? Yes. Yes, they are. We're going to let Le'Veon Bell leave. Granted, I'm sorry that he has to go through this utter disgrace of yeah, a Yeah, he has been
1: a freaking saint these last he few years. He has been
3: a class act. Yes. And no, I'm pretty sure every Jet fan loves him. Yes. And when he comes back to MetLife, whenever it'll be, he's going to get a standing ovation. He should.
1: For having to deal with this but, garbage.
3: Uh, if you, we're going to let Adam Gase outlive Le'Veon Bell and the Jets organization. Just put that into perspective about how the New York Jets are run as a franchise. Yeah. and Just all put this, that into perspective.
1: And all this
3: proves...
1: That Sam Darnold is not the problem and never was.
3: Well, I, I mean, we're gonna get to this. If the Jets are the number one pick, they're gonna take Trevor Lawrence because they'll look like absolute stooges of if they don't freaking if they pass up on a generational talent. Of
1: course. But like, I want to know where the people that hate Sam Darnold are right now. Where are you people? Come on out! Come on out! Tell me, Sam Darnold is still the problem. That Adam Gase is great. Come on. Give it
3: to <laughs> me. Come on. But yeah, like Adam Gase will be the offensive coordinator for like freaking hmm, J- Patrick Mahomes once Eric Bieniemy becomes a head coach, and ever everyone will be like, "See, we told you about Adam Gase. He's a great offensive mind." Christopher Johnson will go on to buy the Chiefs because he <laughs> loves his great offensive mind. Loves He'll Adam Gase. Loves him. Can you please do that, yeah. Christopher Johnson? Yeah. We'll take the Hunt family right away. Come on now. We'll take. We'll take freaking anyone. I'll take Dolan at this point.
1: Uh. Actually, uh, sure. He spends he spends money. He uh he, He's willing sometimes to get out of the way. Uh, that doesn't mean I love James Dolan, believe me. Anybody that's listened to the show a long time, hate that guy. When the Knicks season starts going around, you will hear me about James Dolan once again. But that's a whole other story. And the fact that the Knicks might bring back Carmelo Anthony excites me, but also doesn't make sense. But uh, I'll leave that at that. <laughs> and Chris, I didn't even know that. And Chris Paul. Chris Paul and Carmelo. Well, uh,
3: anyway, anyway. I didn't even know they were going to bring back Carmelo. A-
1: anyway. The fact that they're going to give up assets for Chris Paul is is ridiculous. But anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, The big problem is uh, the Le'Veon Bell situation right now. Well, let's let's just... You want to look at his numbers? I'll read you his numbers from this last game. His first game back, you know, since week one against Buffalo. 13 carries, 60 yards, one reception for seven yards. Uh, Great. That's that's just awesome. Uh, Joe Douglas, if you're listening, which uh, you probably are not, do him a favor. (laughs) Do Le'Veon a favor. Don't do the organization a favor. Do Le'Veon the favor and trade him. I feel bad for him. We just said it before. But the fact that, you pointed this out too, that he was promised to be used so much by Adam Gase during the offseason, and this is what we get. 13 carries for 60 yards, one reception for 7 yards. And he looks great running the ball. Absolutely. Le'Veon Bell has been the best sport through all of this garbage. Honestly, I don't care what the Jets get for him, just let him go free. Do him a favor, let him prosper somewhere else. Obviously, this experiment didn't work because Adam Gase coming in didn't, you know, it all started when Adam Gase was like, "Mm, wouldn't have paid Le'Veon Bell that much money. I don't buy any of the crap that Adam Gase says and flaps out of his gums with his stupid hat and his stupid eyeballs that... Him and Levion have had a great relationship. If they had such a great relationship, why is Levion going to Twitter? Why is Levion not going to Coach Gase's office to talk about the problems? You know why? Because Adam Gase does not relate to his players. He is an, an- a- he's an antisocial moron. Well, you just look at this freak. And you're like, I'm not going to go up to this guy and talk to him about what I'm feeling. He's just going to, all right, well, we'll put it into the game plan. Oh, I just lost myself a tic-tac-toe. I got to go. I got to go. The
3: game game plan, the the flow of the game did not welcome a chance to get Le'Veon Bell involved in the passing game. You know what you do? You try to get him involved. You you call his number! That's what good offensive coaches do. You scheme to your players, you absolute idiot. Me me and Nicholas would make a better offensive staff than you freaking Adam Gase.
1: (laughs) Adam Gase and Dowell Hoggins against Nick and Scott.
3: Who would win? I'm pretty sure our friend group could call games better than Adam Gase could.
1: But, you know, so much... Half of them don't even watch football. No, they don't.
3: But, like, honestly, I wish
1: Le'Veon, instead of liking tweets that Gase doesn't use him well and that the Jets should trade him... I just wish Le'Veon would go out on Twitter and just blast Gase on his own. Just do it. Who cares? You're probably going to get traded anyway. You're not going to be here next year in the first place. Just blast him. Kill him. I don't
3: know what that does for you, but it make me feel better.
1: Just blast him. I don't care. And then... Yeah, and,
3: what, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the, the fact that... I don't know if this is what you were kidding at. The fact that he is saying, oh, now, you know, I've toyed with the thought of giving up oh, the play yes, calling yes, duties. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Wait Why is yep. he the head coach if he's not gonna call plays in the first place? Yes. What good is he doing yes. if he's not calling the plays as the offensive genius head coach?
1: We'll get to la now let's get to all of his comments that he made during the week, post game and, and yesterday. You mentioned it a little before. I don't want to put too much on the Michael Ryan's plate. <sighs>
3: Running back is the easiest position to transition between college and the pros. Like, like, what is on LaMichael's LaMichael Piron's plate Jam- to begin with? Timeout. Yeah. James Robinson is an undrafted free agent from East Kentucky Bumble State, and he is just a top ten running back fantasy wise in the NFL right now. Nope. But you don't want to put too much on someone's plate of a fifth round pick. <laughs> Adam GaSe, what are we doing? I don't think he knows.
1: I don't. I don't even think he knows what team he coaches anymore.
3: I wish he forgot. Yeah,
1: and then the the golden quotes yesterday. Everything is on the table, talking about giving up the play calling duties. So leave the organization. Here is why I call bullshit on Adam GaSe. He said over the past four years, that would be his entire NFL coaching career, basically. He's toyed with the thought of giving up play calling duties. Bullshit. This guy's ego is as big as the universe. Why would he ever ever give up play calling duties to somebody else? Because you know how this works in the NFL when there's an offensive coordinator and a head coach? The offensive coordinator is the one that calls the plays. It goes down to the head coach. And the head coach says, okay, or no, we're not going to run that. Um. Could you just imagine if it was Dowell Loggins or Jim Bob Cooter calling the plays, getting it to Adam Gase and him being, Adam Gase having such the big ego goes, you know what, I don't really like that, let's call something else. You get, I guarantee that's what would happen most of the time. So, you know know what, I'm at this point, you know, you said it, you said it best. If you're going to give up play calling duties, just get out, just resign, be done. Like, why are you even here if you're going to give up play calling duties? But, exactly. But here's the That's thing. Point. Here's the thing to wrap up this awful organization for at least another week. The Jets are zero five for the first time since 1996. Their record that year under the brilliant head coach Rich Kotite one and fifteen.
3: You know what? I think it's his birthday
1: today. It is. Happy yesterday. Ber- Happy birthday, Rich Kotite.
3: I guess. At this. Rich Kotite Rich is no longer the worst head coach in New York Jets history. Nope. At this point, here's where I'm at. At this
1: point, keep Adam Gase till the end of the year. Keep losing. Go 0-16 and get the number one pick. Because, as we've seen, the Texans fired their coach. The Falcons just fired Dan Quinn. They'll probably win. If that's going to cost us Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know what? I I don't want to win. I don't. Keep Adam Gase. Keep the circus in town for 11 more weeks, because that's how much longer we have to go. 11 more weeks. Just keep him. Whatever. At this point, I don't care. Yes, I want him gone. We will throw an emergency podcast parade once Adam Gase gets fired, whenever that may be. But at this point, just keep him. You're already a dumpster fire as it is. Trade Le'Veon. While you're at it, trade Sam. Trade everybody. Who cares? The Jets are a dumpster fire. They're starting from scratch next year anyway. Whatever. Whatever. But then, once the Jets get that number one overall pick... That's when the clock starts tick- ticking on Joe Douglas. I'm not quite ready to kill him quite yet. I'm very close. Very close. Once that number one, once this draft class, we see something from this draft, this past draft class, and then this one coming up, and Adam Gase is gone, he picks the next head coach,
3: clock is
1: ticking on Joe Douglas.
3: Listen, on the on the Joe Douglas front, I think it's unfair to criticize him because he was brought into a dumpster fire that has been 10 years of poor drafting. You want to go back to freaking Tannenbaum, who didn't draft well at either, and then Itzik and McCagnon were even worse. I mean, Idzik is maybe but the then, worst drafter in
1: the history of the NFL. I have to stick up for Mike Tannenbaum because didn't draft well, but in order for his young quarterback to succeed, uh, traded for Braxton, uh, I'm sorry, Braylon Edwards, traded for Santonio Holmes, got Mark Sanchez some talent. Yeah. Can Joe Douglas do that? Mike McCann couldn't do that. Can Joe Douglas do that
3: for Sam or whoever the quarterback's gonna be in 2021? Is yet to be seen. Listen, yeah. Like I'm not ready to kill Joe Douglas yet just because he was brought in here in the most ridiculous way possible after freaking Christopher Johnson lets Mike McCannan spend a boatload of money and make the drafts. And make the the draft of that year. Then brings in Joe Douglas, and then, you know, he has one offseason. Granted, it looks like he drafted a franchise-left tackle. Our second-round pick hasn't been able to get on the field yet. I don't think that's Joe Douglas' fault. No. I think that's just a matter of the corona thing. It's very frustrating, and, you know, people are ready to write off Denzel Mims, you know, already, which, you know, I'm very frustrated with him as well. Can he freaking get on the field and play? But, you know, then in the third round... Uh, He drafted Ashton Davis. I think that was a dumb move. I mean, people say that he's going to be our starting safety next year. He caught an interception on Sunday. (laughs) Granted there was a penalty. He caught an interception and stood there with the ball. Like, what am I supposed to do now? (laughs) Oh, the greatest third-round pick in history, so-called. Doesn't even know what to do after he intercepts the ball. Should be the one good thing he'd done that. You run with it. A track star. You run with it. Granted, there was a penalty on the play that would have negated the the, the interception anyway. You still go anyway. To show some effort. And then in the fourth round, he drafts, uh, what was it, Cam Clark he drafted in the fourth round. I don't think that's a horrible pick. He hasn't played yet, but we'll see what happens with that. A developmental tackle. I guess you can never have too much O-line help. Fifth round, this is probably the most head-scratching one. Decides to take a developmental backup quarterback, even though he signed Joe Flacco in the offseason to be the backup. Who hasn't and even dressed should've... for
1: a game yet.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand that one. I mean, he could have taken another wide receiver there. And then in this Or where was Zuniga? Was he in the third round too?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh,
3: and then third the sixth fourth. round... or Bryce Hall was also in the fifth round. Hasn't played. Um, well... He, that was expected because he came off that. He's originally like a second round graded draft pick we got in the fifth round because he was very, dealing with his very injury.
1: Big injury history, though.
3: Yeah, so you know, for a fifth round pick, I'm willing to take a flyer on that guy. I mean, you look at what Bless Austin was last year in the seventh round. I mean, Jabari Zuniga you never was a third round pick, 79th ninth overall. So hopefully he can get on the freaking field. But I'm not willing to kill Joe Douglas yet. He's been hyping up this next off season because there's so many people. Uh, you know, there's so many players available in free agency. You look at Joe Thune. Hopefully the Patriots don't franchise tag him again. You look at Juju. You look at Allen Robinson. The Saints are going to be like $80 million over the cap, so they're going to have to cut some significant players. Um, I, this offseason is going to be a, a big, you know, uh, a big looking point for joe douglas's career and tenure as the jets gm i mean there's a reason why he only would only come to the jets for a six-year contract because he knew that it was going to take a lot of time to build this thing up he's pretty much doing like significant surgery on this roster because you know most of it is trash so not uh, willing to kill joe douglas and write him off yet but this offseason and this draft he, he better uh you know you better hit on and make this team at least somewhat competitive and hire a freaking head. This is what I'm terrified of. I'm really scared of Woody coming back after whatever the heck happens in this election, because we're just going in the dumpster no matter what. But, uh, I'm, I, I'm very scared of Woody coming back. And then, you know, he has a big history, I think of, you know, having, trying to have too much control in his hands on too many things. And I'm very scared that he's going to try and oh, oh, Bill O'Brien won in said let's <laughs> hire him. Or Dan Quinn brought the Falcons to a Super Bowl, let's hire him.
1: Oh, you know you know why I could see them hiring Dan Quinn is because he was on the, the Jets before. He's he, he's man. coached on the Jets before. <sighs> uh, but you know what, too? You know who, you know, like Beckton's you know, we'll see what happens with him. But other than that,
3: the best player that Joe Douglas has drafted has been the punter. He's been okay, I yeah, guess. It's only because he punts the ball 25 times a game. Getting
1: a lot of practice. He's going to be hes gonna be a Pro Bowl punter, let me tell you. One of these days. But, I mean, if that's what we're looking at right now, then we're just not looking at much. Just, I mean, it is what it is at this point. 0-5, and, uh, yeah. Really just, I mean... What else can you really say? All right, so next up, the New York football Giants. Okay, let's start off by saying they may be 0-5, Scott, but there's a huge difference between the 0-5 Giants and the 0-5 Jets. Unlike the Jets, they don't play like a winless team. If you were to watch the Giants for the first time last week against the Cowboys, you would think they've probably won a couple games. They started out strong, probably you know as best as they could this season. The Evan Ingram touchdown run, the pick six by Kyler Fackrell, and the 55-yard field goal by Graham Gano put them up 17-3, just like that. Here's where the tide started to turn. Was when yet again another Daniel Jones fumble, then turns into a scoop and score, and just like that the Cowboys have tied the game at 17. And then. You know, get two field goals in the second half. They turn, you know, Andy Dalton has to come in because of the unfortunate injury to Dak Prescott. They turn the Andy Dalton fumbled snap into a touchdown. They go up three. Thinking, and I'm thinking they may win this thing. I really do. I had confidence that they could come out of Dallas and win this game. But then Giants defense, you know, does what they do. Dalton leads the Cowboys down the field to tie it, and then they force the Giants to punt. Five plays, 72 yards, game-winning field goal, off of two fantastic catches by Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup's not playing in that game. The Cowboys are not winning that game. Sets up the game-winning field goal, Cowboys win. Um, your thoughts on this game overall? Like, I don't know how much of this you watch, but honestly, it was a very entertaining game, I have to say.
3: Yeah, I... Uh... I had it on, I had it on red zone for the four o'clock game, so I didn't watch, you know, from start to finish, but I did see, you know, some important moments and first of all, hopefully Dak can get better. As much as I hate the Cowboys, uh and I don't think he's a forty million dollar quarterback. Hopefully Jerry Jones, you know, does right and at least, you know, gives him the contract he deserves. Yeah. Um you know, I I, I wasn't too shocked to see the Giants come out to a big lead. What was it, 14-3 after 17-3. the fact roll? 17 3 after the Fackerel uh, pick six. Oh, that was 14 yeah, 3.
1: Not... They added on the field goal.
3: Yeah. I wasn't too shocked to see the Giants come out strong just because that's what the Cowboys have been all year. They go way behind and then, you know, come marching back. You saw it in the Falcons game, and then you saw it in the Browns, too, where the Browns eventually won. But um, it's just, you know, frustrating because you saw the Daniel Jones fumble was pretty much the one that, you know, that's what turned on the, the game tide. around. Yep. Yeah, and just more trouble with turnovers for him. But Daniel Jones does not look like a bad quarterback. And, you know, he makes some plays that you're like, wow, this kid, you know, you know if he just touches up the turnovers, I and mean, we said the same thing last year. I said it you last can't week, expect he's got him. very
1: good arm talent.
3: Yeah, you know, he can make plays. I, you saw that one play, I forget who he threw to on the sideline, but he rolled out to his right, right on the sideline, and put the ball. It might have been uh, Shepherd. That he threw it to on the sideline there. Very nice throw and a very no, nice catch sideline.
1: It had to be either Tate or Slayton. I don't think uh Shepard plays to her. That's what
3: I meant. I meant Slayton. Slayton. Um another thing is, I don't still understand the whole uh love affair over Evan Ingram running reverses for this team. I mean, they don't have a wide receiver who's faster than Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram, I think, you know, one of my Giants friends corrected me and said he ran a four four two forty. So he's a very fast guy, but I still don't understand the whole... Well,
1: I mean, he's had a lot of drops this year. I don't know if you can... So I think that's just kind of the way of Jason Garrett trying to get him to get going and maybe build some momentum. Schemes for his
3: players. What a phenomenon. Look at that. Um, Devontae Freeman looks like a decent player for them. I I think he'll be able to, you know, do somewhat uh, of the job at running back for them. 17 carries, Um,
1: 60 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, you'll take that from an aging Devontae Freeman.
3: He looked explosive, too, so... You know, he got the ball and shot right through the line. Um, I, Which was
1: shocking because of how bad the run defense of the Giants has been. Run offense, yeah. I'm sorry.
3: And, I mean, no no team has really been able to keep the Cowboys offense quiet this season. I mean, you look at CeeDee Lamb. and uh, He's been
1: fantastic for
3: them. He's been, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you look at the, the that last Gallup throw, too. Like, Giants fans are saying, like, oh, we can't even beat Andy Dalton or whatever. Andy, Andy Dalton Bell's threw a 50-50... That too, but Andy Dalton threw up a 50 50 ball that Michael Gallup made an unbelievable catch on. Like, and Andy Dalton's a professional quarterback.
1: Like, he's been in the league a and, long
3: time. And the Giants have to play the whole NFC twice. Yeah. So they're going to beat the Redskins this week. I'm going to put that on record saying they're going to beat the Redskins this week. They're going to freaking play quarterback. Um, you what, know, what, if what, they don't uh, beat sorry, the Redskins. I'm, I'm sorry,
1: sidebar. It was a great thing to see Alex Smith on the field the other day. Yeah, for sure.
3: Player. For sure. And, you know, depending on how they feel about his health and everything like that, he could even start against the Giants this Good. week because Kyle Allen got hurt. Um, but I do not see the Giants going 0-16. I no. think they're a much better team than the Jets, and I think the Falcons will get a win, too, because there's just way too much talent on that offense. they got to
1: run into yeah. Like, I think that both the Giants and the Falcons will run into wins on accident. The,
3: the, the Giants and Falcons would both beat, the team, both beat the Jets by 20, like, respectively. Yeah. Yeah. The Jets are an incompetent dumpster fire that has no promise whatsoever. The more I watch this team, the more I believe that Owen 16 is a real possibility. I had that belief since week 3. So it's it's embarrassing, it's unbelievable, it's whatever. But, you know, the Giants they they could easily if you think about it, the Giants could be 3 and 2 if things felt their way, fell sure. their way. Sure. You look at the Steelers game, they were competitive in that. You look at the Bears game, they had a chance to win at the at the end. Uh, and then if they make one stop at the end of the Cowboy game, they win that game too. So yeah. the Giants are, are there; they're playing for Joe Judge. And it's clear that they're playing for their head coach, unlike the Jets. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, tough loss to the Giants. I mean, I don't think many people expected them to beat the Cowboys this week. It was just you know very nice to see them be competitive. Let's, let's not forget to mention too.
1: It, it didn't help the Giants' causes that. They had two touchdowns taken off the board, The fake field goal, and then the Slayton pick play Yo. touchdown got negated by penalties.
3: What was that BS call they went on the Which fake one? field goal?
1: Oh, on the fake field goal? Apparently Nick Gates was looking towards the long snapper, and that means you're not set.
3: That's dumb. That is dumb. That is dumb. one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And I got to
1: give it to Joe Judge or whoever called that. I'm sure it was probably their special teams coach or Joe Judge. That's a great play call. That's yeah, a
3: very good fantastic! Call. God forbid Adam Gase pulls something. That's how you out. create he opportunities pulls, and create offense. Adam Gase, Adam Gase pulls pulls an end around on that he thinks Jeff Smith is going to be able to throw after he runs around and loses 16 yards. That's that's the Adam Gase uh, mindset. Uh, yeah, brain blast that Adam Gase brings. <laughs> but like,
1: if those two plays hit, if if that pick play is, you know, if that pick play succeeds and Slayton goes all the way for a touchdown, this is a different ballgame. The Giants may win this by double figures. Yeah. But, and then, you know, you know those two plays hit very different ballgame. And then we kind of get to the similar problems of why, in the grand scheme of things, why the Giants lost this game on Sunday. Defense allowing 402 yards. You know, the run defense struggled a little bit. That's to be expected against Zeke and Tony Pollard, who actually looked really good, too, last week. Um, Daniel Jones is fumbling. Turns really costly this time. It doesn't always result in points for the other team. But... Giving Dallas a free touchdown, zero improvement right now, four fumbles in the the first five games of the season. I understand if you're a Giant fan, you're concerned about these kind of things, but to say that Daniel Jones is not the guy, like, can we slow down, please? Can we get him, like, a decent offensive line? Because every week, it doesn't matter. I understand the Giants were going up against Demarcus Lawrence last week, and Andrew Thomas just could not, you know, hold him to save his life. But the offensive line continues to be horrendous. Daniel Jones continues to run for his life. I don't think there's ever one play I don't see him run to the freaking sideline and throw up a prayer and hope to the Lord that, you know, they move the sticks. And then it doesn't help on the defensive end that Lorenzo Carter ruptures his Achilles. He's done for the year. So now um, Marcus Golden's going to have to step up, and he hasn't been doing much this year. But and over overall, I got to give it to them. Although they lost, they played hard for Joe Judge, like he said, and they've been competitive in four of these last five games, so... I agree with you too. I think the Giants get their first win against Washington, against the football team. And I don't know. I think maybe maybe that gets them going. The NFC East sucks this year. So maybe the Giants can run into a couple wins.
3: Yeah, I mean I mean, like you said, the NFC East is horrible. I mean, they should, you know, at minimum split with the uh the Redskins. I think maybe you could take one off the Eagles and then, you know. That's where the Cowboys are going to go with no Dak, with Andy Dalton as their quarterback. I mean, let's not act like Andy Dalton is some scrub here, because no. obviously he's not. But
1: honestly, hot um, take, hot take re- right here, the Cowboys can still win the division with Andy Dalton as their quarterback.
3: Oh yeah, because the division is freaking horrendous. Yeah, but Andy Dalton is also not that bad. No, he's not. And no, there's the, a reason why he's the, the even, highest paid.
1: Yeah, even if the division was somewhat, you know, competent, I'd still have confidence that the Cowboys can. They have enough talent on their roster. They, I'm, I would still feel confident that the Cowboys would win the division with Andy Dalton as their quarterback.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's the highest-paid backup quarterback in the league, so who knows? I mean, this is the first time ever that the Jets and Giants are both 0-10, that that they've started 0-10 in the history of both the franchises. So,
1: I heard it on FAN probably like a half hour before we got on here that the worst record combined that the Jets and Giants have ever had was like I think, six wins total between the two teams. That's definitely not happening this year.
3: No, I don't see that happening because the Jets, the Giants can get to, like, four wins, but I don't see the Jets pulling their weight to get to six. No, no
1: definitely not. I mean, it's it's tough. Um, you know, the dark ages of New York sports continues. Uh, both the Jets and Giants at 0-5 just – I mean, at least the Giants are somewhat watchable. They were watchable this week against Dallas. They've been watchable for four out of the five weeks. But the Jets just continue to lose by double-digit points, and it's embarrassing. It really is. Just embarrassing. Like, my family came over, you know, while, while this game was going on, and I was like, all right, I'll sit in my Jets chair. I had my Jets shirt on, and I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I put my ESU sweatshirt on. I'm like, I don't really want to get laughed at by my own family. And then my sister, <laughs> my sister tells me I bought my nephew, my godson, a, a Jets hat, and my sister proceeds to tell me that – you know, she kind of, you know, tried to – I think she's trying to soften the blow a little bit. But he, she goes, you know, Lorenzo, you know, when I put the hat on his head, he takes it off. I go, that's a smart boy.
3: <laughs> Raising <laughs> him right.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know what I was thinking getting him a Jets hat to begin with. I, I should know better to, you know, to bring him up as a Jet fan. I should know better than that. Shouldn't want that for him. But then <laughs> I, I FaceTimed you when I was getting him a birthday present, and I was like – Look at all these little Sam Darnold jerseys. I go, what does it matter? He's probably not going to be on the team next year anyway. And and my mom goes, you know, why don't you get him something Jets? I go, absolutely not. I'm not spending any money for the New York Jets this year. Not doing it. Not doing it until they they give me some reason to.
3: Yeah, perfectly put.
1: But that's where we're at right now. 0-10, zero wins, 10 losses between the two New York sports teams. And we're just sitting here all happy-go-lucky because – what we kind of have to do right now all right so we'll take our second break when we come back joe will join us maybe we'll see and we'll talk some rangers islanders devils hockey free agency a lot going on in the you know the three hockey teams going on right now in free agency so we'll get to that when we come back and of course follow phonics with joe oh i did forget our voicemail dang it you know what we'll do that right after the break we'll do that right after the break so we'll be right back don't go anywhere you're listening to tri-state sports beat Welcome back, everybody, to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Ranger Joe is now with us. Ranger Joe. Hi, buddy. How are you?
2: Awesome. awesome. Wonderful.
1: Are you ready to talk some hockey, some little Rangers, little Devils, little Islanders?
2: A little bit. A little bit. A
1: little bit. All right. Let's start off with your team first of all. Uh, how you feeling with the free agent acquisitions? the The draft overall. How you feeling?
2: They signed a bunch of scrubs. I'll put it in there. Yeah, the free agent signings are just like you signed Kevin they're, Rooney. They're they're yeah, they're not he even sucks. depth. They're not even depth players. Listen, it's for the expansion draft that is coming up, so that they have capital to offer this new Seattle team. No one's going to take them. They're, they're, but you have to have people. You have to have a certain number of players. I know. I'm just America. trying to. I know you're not going to get my go on this because I'm too happy about the draft. So it's okay. But nice try, nice try. Um, all, all the free agent stuff is flipped, oh, like, to the, uh, to the wayside. It's not really, like, I can care less about that, honestly. The draft was the most important thing. And then the whole buying out of Henrik Lundqvist was the other big thing that happened. And then him signing with the Capitals. Um, but other
3: tough, than that, other than that
2: it is because they're in the same division. Um, but he does have a very good chance of winning. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, that's honestly, and I could say this honestly, I want him to win a Stanley cup, no matter what team it's with, except the devils. <laughs> like, literally. Or <laughs> the about Islanders. I wouldn't be upset with it because like, I, I kind of like how the Islanders are, are going about things right one.
1: now.
2: Yeah. It's, like, you're not going to see a lot of Rangers fans say that, but in my eyes, like, I enjoy watching the Islanders, so I can't I can't say I wouldn't hate him winning with them because I like watching. So it's like, if it was, like, the Rangers and the Islanders in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and he beat the Rangers, then I'd be like, wow, that hurt. But other than that, like, it really, like, it doesn't, it doesn't faze me. All right, well, what else?
1: Fair enough. Um, Alexi Lafreniere, three years, eleven point three two five million dollars. Uh, I guess that's what the going rate is for the number one overall pick in the NHL draft.
2: But uh, you were more excited about the jersey number that he chose. Oh yeah, number thirteen. That's my number. I've got it tattooed on my body. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> you can't not. I will be getting his jersey if he's a bust or not. <laughs> no matter what, I gonna get. buy it from China. 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 Interesting. I don't know what, if um, I can. I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, well, both or two of New York, uh, teams, New York, New Jersey teams bought out their goaltenders. As the Devils also bought out Corey Schneider, who then signed with the Islanders to be their backup. Um, but, you know, the Devils then replaced him with Corey Crawford, which the Devils have a freaking. Pretty good goalie tandem. I don't know if you can compare it to the Rangers with uh, Shosturkin and Georgiev, but it's pretty freaking good if you look at it. Both. Uh, it's not nearly as good as the Rangers. It's right you can't compare it to. Oh, okay, 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 Um, but the the um the two goalies the Devils have, Crawford and Blackwood, are two of the top ten goalies in save percentage from last year. Both had a .925 save percentage last season. So uh, they brought Corey Crawford in a two-year deal. I think it's like $3.5 AAV. So that's a pretty good signing. And then Tom Fitzgerald has been wheeling and dealing. They get um defensive from the Blue Jackets. Uh, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, Ryan Murray? Yeah, that's it. He's apparently a, very, a pretty good defenseman, just uh, kind of injury-prone. Um, and then they trade for... Is it John, Andreas Johnson or something like that from the Maple Leafs? Yeah. I did see that. Yeah. They trade uh, Joey Anderson for him, so that's some more wing help that um, was kind of like a salary dump for the uh, Maple Leafs. So the Devils get another pretty good player. And people are saying that the Devils that Tom Fitzgerald's still wheeling and dealing a little bit to you know, bring in some horrible contracts on other teams. I mean, you look at Flurry. Um, maybe they could do like a three-team trade where they get Fleury they, uh, and assets, and then they trade – so they retain some flurry salary and then get more assets to another team and trade him where he ultimately goes so um with the amount of cap room that uh the devils have they can you know be very flexible in the way they use it and the players they uh um acquire while also getting draft picks so um i think tom fitzgerald's building this up the right way out the one comparison i'll make is kind of like sean marks in the nets you know sean marks waited it out made a an exciting young team that they could build, but did not do it too fast, and then you know eventually work their way up to the stars. So um, I think you know Tom Fitzgerald's building this up the right way. I mean, you have a lot of control with you know your young players like Nico, Jack Hughes, uh, Blackwood. You know you have a the win the window to win is not right now. It's in a couple of years. So and then you know you move over to the Islanders too. They trade you know Quinnipiac alum, my boy Devon Taves, which I was very surprised at. I but, was you know, too. He did the cap help. They needed the cap help. He was a restricted free agent. I think they offered him like $725,000 or something like that. And then obviously he didn't take that because he was a much better player than that salary. Decided to go to arbitration. The Islanders didn't want to go to arbitration with him. So they get two second round picks from the Avalanche. Who, You know, the Avalanche, they might be the best team in the NHL on paper based on uh, offense and defense.
1: Yeah, they also, um, the Islanders also probably clearing up that cap space to really pay Matt Barzell and somebody else, I think the name escapes me, but I think that's priority really number one for the Islanders is to sign Matt Barzell to a long-term contract.
2: Yeah, and um, just some other, like, big moves. Around the NHL, uh, Alex Petrangelo goes to Vegas. It was like seven years for eight point eight million a year. Joe was really hoping um, that the
1: Rangers would hop on that, but ultimately did not.
2: I was, like I said, they need defensive help. Um, I do like. I didn't think that the Rangers were going to draft a defenseman in this in this year's draft, but they ended up uh, picking him after trading up. Uh, yeah, you screwed Calgary. up. Yeah, because the Devils were looking highly into Schneider. Yeah, so. well, we didn't talk about the Devils' draft. You get Alexander Holtz, who a lot of people say is the best pure goal scorer in this entire yeah. draft. He's got a snipe of a shot. So um, you want a rebuttal? And they, What's that? I'm just saying we have Alexi Lop in here. So. Yeah, well then the next the next pick, Dawson <laughs> Mercer, was a steal for the Devils at eighteen. Um, another draft board other draft boards had him, I think, as high as thirteen. Um, right. so there were uh, that's a very good you know, pick up for the Devils. And Dawson Mercer also scored against Alexi Lafreniere's junior team the other day. So good things coming for Dawson Mercer. More of that to come. And then um, they take, uh, don't kill me if I butcher this name, Shakir (laughs) Mukamadoulin. He's a Russian defenseman in the KHL who I think is second all time in points scored in their first 20 games, something like that in the KHL for under 19 defensemen. So what was, his, that name? Was, what was his know, name people, what was his name
1: Shakir again? Mukumadoulin. It's got a hard name. It's got a
2: hard name. It a hard <laughs> Joe, Joe would not be able to pronounce that. I actually, before before we started recording, I was looking at the name and I was like, hmm, that's going to be one done. for the books. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, people were kind of ripping Tom Fitzgerald for taking that pick because some had him as a stretch. I think one uh, draft ranking had him at like 50. But then, um, you know, he was playing really well before the draft and the KHL restarted that, you know, he's on this huge, you know, point streak or not point streak, but you know, he's producing offensively as a defenseman at a pretty high rate. So then they also took a goalie, I think in the third round that, um, actually has very good upside as well. So Tom Fitzgerald building up the devils, uh, slowly, but surely, uh, no one's expecting them to win in the next coming in the next year or two, but, uh, for coming from a Devils fan, I don't know about you, Nick, but I think he's building this up the right way.
1: I like it. I really have no complaints. The Corey Crawford news kind of shocked me. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm not saying it's good. Um, I just didn't really think it made sense as far as, like, the. I'm a big youth movement kind of guy, and uh, I think Mackenzie Blackwood needs to be the forefront of that.
2: I mean, I think, I think the plan is for Blackwood to play, you know, a majority of the games. Like, Corey Crawford, you're you're going to need a backup goalie at some point, and then, you know, Blackwood, I think, dealt with an injury at one point this past season as well, so, and, you know, it's good for Blackwood, too, because he can play in front of a Stanley Cup champion and a 36-year-old goalie who's done this for many years, and at a high rate, still in his, you know, mid to late 30s. Yeah, you
1: know, like I said, I didn't hate it, uh, you know, well-respected have the cap-based defense,
2: so they might as well yeah. use it.
1: Uh, yeah, that's all right with me. I'm, I'm good. I mean, if he's going to be the backup, okay. Reliable backups are always a good thing in the NHL, I guess. So I mean, overall, I just want to see what the young guys have to offer. Still holding on uh, out on guys like Mikey McLeod and Jack Hughes, Nico and uh, Ty Smith coming up the ranks, and Kevin Ball. We, we all the guys we've been talking about, but have still yet to really make an impact. So I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, all three New York team, New York New Jersey hockey teams are. You know, making moves and doing everything that they need to do in order to try and get better for the future. All right, Joe, are you and ready? And one, go ahead, go ahead.
2: I was going to say one interesting thing that I did read on the New York Rangers GM, Jeff Gordon, um, he said that he's not going to be making many free agency moves. Like He's not going to be looking for that block, blockbuster signing or a blockbuster trade uh, on this offseason simply because – their youth movement is their, like their rebuild is their youth movement. And from what I've been also reading about this draft and this off season with the Rangers is that Alexi LaPanier was that last piece of that rebuild. And a lot of people are now saying that the Rangers are no longer in a rebuild. Like it's, it's time to, to win and time to make the playoffs again and become New York's top team again, which is going to be, very interesting seeing that the islanders have been that team for the last 2 3 years now so i think new york hockey new york new jersey hockey is going to be very competitive very fun to watch and i'm looking forward to next season already
1: so so without like having seen the rangers on the ice yet like what's your what is your peak right now for the success of the rangers just make the playoffs get to the semis get to the eastern conference finals what's your
2: with with how young they are, I'm going to say first round. I want to see them in the first round of the playoffs and see how I mean see how the play uh, see how the regular season plays out. Um, if they're cranking wins back to back to back to back, like me as a Rangers fan have seen them do in the past, I think it's a good possibility that they could make a run, even with how young their team is. But me knowing, not seeing them on the ice yet, not seeing them in physical competition with other teams um, especially the the devils the islanders the capitals especially that division that's been so strong since it really developed um i kind of think that they're going to have a tough time in the playoffs not knowing or not having the experience of those veteran guys that the islanders have like the devils have like the capitals have so it'll be interesting, but it's going to, I think this year is going to be a lot of fun for all three Tri-State's um, hockey teams.
1: It'll be interesting. I think the NHL's start date is around January 1, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Gary
2: Bettman announced that they'll start playing January first with the draft. So, oh. Oh. and Did you also see – one more thing. Did you see that they actually might be uh, playing an outdoor game on Lake – Lake or something like that i did not see that but that'd be sick that they're in talks about having like where is one of one of the first games up like one of the great lakes i believe oh Hmm. so
0: which is really cool
2: because they actually every year they have a tournament out there for like amateurs not like legitimate prospects but amateur like Mm -hmm. pond hockey teams and they have like huge tournament and everything which is really cool um but it would be really cool to see, like, the NHL players, like a few, like one or two teams, maybe more, have like an actual game out on a lake. That would be, yeah, me. That would be like, awesome.
1: That's like, uh, they should have a game on Lake Capacon, Joe. That'd be something. <laughs> yeah. That'd be something. That would be. Uh, that would be something. Yeah, definitely would be. All right, so I think that really does it for our local NHL talk, Joe. You ready for some names, buddy? Oh boy. I know you, Joe. You've been good. You've been good the past couple weeks. I got, I gotta give it to you. You've been all right. All right, so without further See, ado. I,
2: I, I bought a grammar book. Oh, good,
1: book. good. All right. um, Anything I, that- I don't. It's
2: low key to taking English class in college. <laughs> I, I, I don't read
1: books. All right, now it's time for Fun with Phonics with Ranger Joe. Fun
0: with Phonics with <laughs> Ranger Joe. It's got a hard name.
1: All right, Joe. Got the names. Sent them to you. Here we go. Number one. This man is an American former professional baseball outfielder who played in Major League Baseball for the New York Mets, the L.A. Angels, and the Milwaukee Brewers. His name is what?
2: Kirk Nuenhuis. Ooh, close. Nuenhuis? (laughs) Not Kirk. Kirk Nuenhuis. Heiss, okay. Heiss, heiss. All right, all right. right, you got me there. A
1: little bit, you got me. me. That's all right. What's name? That oh, That's all right, that was close. I'll give it to you, that was close. All right, this next one. This man is a Swiss-South South African professional basketball player for the Houston Rockets of the National Basketball Association. He's 36 years old, six seven, and his name is...
2: Debo Shephalosha. Wow. What right. the last name, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first one, I didn't I didn't know the first, first one. Name. I've heard of Sephalosha before. First name is Pabo. Pabo Cefalosha. Uh I'll, I'll give you Tabo. I'll, 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 I'll give you that Bobo? one. I'll give you that one.
1: Tabo. <laughs> you got the last name right, so I'll give you that one. Savvalosha. Alright. This next one Amer- a former American football wide receiver signed with the Chicago Bears as an undrafted free agent in 2011. He played college football at Joe's quote-unquote favorite college, Ohio State University. His name is, if you're really an Ohio State fan, you would know who this is, Joe. Oops.
2: I would or wouldn't?
1: You would. Sorry.
2: You would. Dane Dane Stanschenbacher. I know. That was close. Is it? I I honestly don't know how to pronounce it either. Is it Dane Sansenbacher?
1: Yep. Dane Dane
2: Sansenbacher. You got to give me names that you guys know. Why? No,
1: I know that one. It's Dane Sansenbacher. That's his name.
2: Oh, okay. Nick knew it. I did not. Nick knew it. I knew it. Well, because he probably tore apart Michigan.
1: He pro- no you know what? He did. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. That's fine. It's all good. All right. This last one. Oh boy. This one a former Japanese volleyball player who was who played for JT Marvelous. She is currently the head coach of a Japanese volleyball team. She played for the All Japan women's volleyball team. And was a participant in the 2004 Summer Olympics, 2008 Summer Olympics, and the 2012 Summer Olympics. Her name is
2: Yoshi Takeshita
1: You gotta say it slowly. See, honestly,
2: I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> was that was that
1: it? Say it again. Say it one more time. Say it one
2: more Yoshi, time. Yoshi Takita.
1: I think so. Honestly, Yoshi
2: Takeshita. What do you mean? You got to know. You, you have to know the name that was under, you're presenting to me.
1: It was under one of those really funny websites. So it was Yoshi Takeshita. I believe that. I believe, yeah, I'll give you that one, I guess.
2: Takeshita. I'll give you that, <laughs> I'll, give
1: you that I'll give you that one. All right, Josh, you got like two right. That's pretty good. You're doing better doing better at this one. <laughs> you
2: you said you said you would give me all of them. <laughs> no, not the first one.
1: Not the first one. Can't give you that one.
2: Okay, not not, not the first, first one. one. All not right. Three.
1: Well, I mean, you are better at betting than you are at at giving names. I'll give you that at least.
2: Uh, not this week.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, not a good
2: bounce back week for myself. Yeah, was all
1: right. exactly.
2: All right. So I told I did yeah. tell Nick that I was kind of skeptical on my 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 bets this week.
1: Yeah, we uh that's what we said on the on the pick yeah. show that it was our opportunity to uh catch up here. And
2: uh It absolutely
1: was. J- Scott definitely made up some ground. I kinda did, if you want to say that. I really don't know, I You made up a game. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll just say that. All right. So with that being said, it is time to end the show with Tri State Sportsbook. Kids with the catch.
0: Show me the money Winners, 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 winners.
1: Joe, you're up first. Uh, you guys go first. Okay, because Joe doesn't have them. Scott, go first.
2: And my DraftKings uh, app is loading, and is it, yes, okay. Me give me my okay. For once, and I don't even know if this has ever happened before. We have some Tuesday night NFL action. The Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. Buffalo heads to Nashville. I'm going to take the Titans plus three. Um, yeah, I. I Honestly, there's not much to p- take picks of anymore, so I had to uh, take a pick on the NFL game. So, you know, I went with the Titans because I don't like the Bills. Um, my second pick, I picked the Dodgers' money line, which is minus 140 when I put it in. Now, because it's uh, the game is on right now, it's up to minus 250, but I'll give myself the minus 140. Um, and I took the Dodgers' money line in game two to bounce back after the Braves won last night, and and they took advantage of Walker Bueller's incredibly tight pitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> my last pick I i haven't picked college football in a while and my beloved Army Black Knights did not have a great showing last week against the Citadel very uh, but, very underwhelming but they're going to UTSA this week they will bounce back because they're playing an actual Division 1 opponent Now uh, the Citadel's Division 1 AA but this is a Division 1A team they're going to be ready I'm going to take Army minus 7 at UTSA so, the Titans plus three, the Dodgers money line, and Army minus seven. Um, with the Dodgers in at minus 245 right now, uh, it's a $10 bet to win you $51, but at the beginning of minus 140, it was probably around like 56 or
1: $57. Did you take that Dodger bet uh, knowing that Clayton Carshaw was not going to
2: pitch tonight? Uh, I kind of forgot, but... <laughs> And he got
1: scratched from the lineup because of his back spasms or whatever.
2: Well, to be honest with you, I knew that and then kind of forgot. So, you know, go Dodgers. We <laughs> <Go Dodgers. laughs> already have a runner on second in the first inning. So there you uh go. go. Betts is on second. All
1: right. All right. So there that is. All former right.
2: Met, Met legend Justin Turner is up next. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'll
1: Hopefully go. Got away. I'll go next. Um, I have Auburn at South Carolina. I'll take Auburn minus the three. Uh, South Carolina is awful. Auburn, you know, Bonick is okay, I guess. I'll go Auburn minus the three. Um, I'll go Kentucky at Tennessee. I'll go with the over 47 and a half. Kentucky, Tennessee coming off the loss against Georgia last week. I think, you know, SEC is always bound for high scoring games. I think this over is money. Over 47 and a half, Kentucky at Tennessee. And I'm going with some international friendlies in soccer. I don't know why this stood out to me, but it's a huge underdog. I'll take a draw in Cameroon versus South Sudan at plus 340. Don't know why. Just uh, stuck out to me. So I'll go South Auburn. South Sudan? <laughs> I don't know. I'll go with a 1-1 draw. I don't know. Just because. I'll go with Auburn, minus 3, uh, at South Carolina, Kentucky at Tennessee, the over 47 And a half, and uh, the primetime soccer matchup. I will take a draw Cameroon versus South Sudan. A $10 bet. The the total odds are +1472. So we will win $157.15. Why not? If you're into international friendlies, uh sure. Go go ahead and go for it.
2: Joe, you're up. All right, so last week I picked Tulane. They did not win, unfortunately. They did have a lead at the beginning. Yeah, they uh, were up we 24 that, right?
1: They were. They were up 24-21, and we were like, wow, Joe's about to hit on a game he knew nothing about.
2: Well, this week I am taking Tulane again. It is at their home stadium against SMU. Uh, their, their line is a little bit better. It's still plus 170, but we're going to take them. Don't know anything about it, but Green Wave, let's go. Then I will bet on tonight's game in MLB playoffs if they raise at Houston Astros. I'm going to go the under eight and a half runs, total runs in game three. Uh, there's been a few games where they, these two teams have not put up as many runs as the, uh, the total runs have suggested. So I'm going to try to sneak away with a victory here. That is actually a plus 100 there. And then... I'm going to some UFC action. Brian Ortega and Sean Sung Jung. I call him the Korean zombie. Correct. I did know that. Did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going. I'm going. Brian Ortega's money line. Smoke up my ass <laughs> with a a 155 plus. Uh, I was watching some highlights on Brian Ortega, and he is actually a huge underdog um, with very capable winnings in this match. So putting $10 down, the odds are plus uh, 1277 put $10 down and you can net yourself $137.70. Ranger Joe, the UFC insider.
1: Yeah, (laughs) what are you, Joe Rogan, Joe? (laughs) Might as well be. I'm Joe. He he is Joe, but you are Ranger Joe. You're not Joe Rogan.
2: Ranger Joe Rogan. Ranger Ranger. Joe.
1: Close enough, I guess.
2: If you want to, RJR.
1: (laughs) RJR. It's gonna be your new nickname.
2: All right, boys.
1: Another good show in the books. Thank you all so much for listening. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TSSB Pod for all. To updates on all nine new york sports teams you can listen to us on apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, and the radio.com app as well as your favorite podcast platform and now of course give us a call on the new tri-state sports beat 24 7 fan line at 862-260-4315 stay tuned for daily weekly bonus content including photo edits as well as audio and video clips like our weekly nfl picks thank you all so much for listening yet again and we will see you next week on the tri state sports beat
2: namaste and keep listening to the tri-state sports beat
0: goodbye it was all a dream i used to read word up magazine salt and pepper and heavy d up in the limousine and the is on my wall it's the magic molly mall. Hello, Brooklyn. I love your corners, I'm half your souls, soul. I love your corners, I'm half your souls, soul. I love your corners, I'm half your souls, soul. oh.